All right, welcome to part two of the EV Resource Podcast, episode 14. For those of you who uh, listened to or watched part one, thank you for continuing on. Um, had to take a quick lunch break, and then actually I uh, decided for the YouTube video, uh, other side, there we go, uh, I added a green light onto the background, um, trying to make this space here at my house a little bit more like the studio uh, while I'm not able to use the studio. Um, let me know what you think. I've actually started to have thoughts where maybe I will just move the entire operation here to home. I already got the uh, uh, microphone, uh, which is actually fairly decent, the Blue Yeti. Uh, I like it. Um, and then I just would need to get a better camera because I'm using the um, FaceTime camera that's on my computer, which I know the graphics aren't the greatest. But... Um, I've been considering getting an upgraded camera so that way uh, I could do things here at home, which would be easier and certainly not reliant on non-coronavirus normal daily life. Um, So yeah, enough rambling. Let's get to the uh, Tesla news this week. Um, I do have a a number of stories actually that I wanted to go through. Uh, The first being there surprise profits. Um, I don't think anybody was really expecting them to post a profit uh, the first quarter of this year. Uh, Even Tesla, I think, according to their estimates, didn't put things in a profitable state. Uh, I do want to talk about the semi-truck being delayed. Um, That's not necessarily unexpected, especially with battery supply, but we'll get to that. A number of states have tried to get Tesla to choose them as far as the location for the next Gigafactory. Uh, The latest that I've seen is Kansas, which I've got a few comments about that. And then ultimately, the question of the week that I wanted to answer came from my experience this week. In a heavy rainstorm, I was driving along and it popped into my head. Tesla's autopilot system spends a lot of its uh, or a lot of it comes from cameras, from a visual aspect. And so I went and asked a couple Facebook groups, local Tesla owners, how well does autopilot work in heavy rain? So I got an answer to that as well. So stick with me and uh, let's dive in. Okay, so arguably the biggest EV news story of the week, uh, but certainly the biggest Tesla news story of the week was the release of their quarter one financials. Um, Even amid all of the coronavirus uh, shutdown at the end of March, Tesla for quarter one of 2020 this year, they surprised everybody by turning a profit, which... Uh, to the best of my knowledge, at least over the last few years, quarter one, they have not turned a profit in quarter one. It has been historically their worst quarter. Um, so this was fantastic news coming from them. Um, the important figures to keep in mind, they had adjusted uh, earnings per share of a dollar twenty four versus an expected loss of thirty four cents per share. Revenue was 5.99 billion versus an expected 5.8 billion so revenue was even up um and so the uh 
Tesla had said that despite global operational challenges that we were able to achieve our best quarter for both production and deliveries uh, in Q1, keep that in mind. The profits were fueled in part by growing margins thanks to increased production at Tesla's Shanghai factory, um, which that, of course, China shut down first before the U.S. did. Well, China at this point is already back up and running. So I, I the value of having a company that is producing vehicles on multiple continents, I think, is really try, uh, showing through here for Tesla. Ancillary revenue from regulatory credits, which Tesla will sell to traditional automakers who are not making as many EVs as they should, also increased from $133 million in the fourth quarter of last year to $354 million in the first quarter of this year. So I would expect a lot of the short sellers and the naysayers to really focus on that point because you take that away and Tesla did not uh, post a profit. So it could be argued that the profitability of the company is really only that they're selling these regulatory credits. But that is one of the advantages of a company that only makes EVs is that they have all of this excess credit that they can sell. So in a way, that's just an additional product. That's the way I look at it. Uh, and I wouldn't take that and use it against them in any way. Model Y deliveries, as um, of course most of us know at this point, um, also began in the first quarter of this year significantly ahead of schedule. Um, Tesla added that that model was profitable. So not only has Tesla shown that they can ramp Gigafactory in Shanghai and start to make the Model 3 over there profitably, they're also introducing a brand new model, getting it off of the, the assembly line, as it were, profitably in the first quarter they're introducing that. That is spectacular. I don't know any other automaker right now that has done that or could do that. Granted, I don't look at other auto manufacturers' financial reports all that often. Uh, well, ever. <laughs> um, and the only reason I do with Tesla is because they're an EV company. Um, so I just think that is fantastic news that they're really showing how mature they have become as an automaker. I mean, they have been around more than 10 years at this point. Um, they are not the joke of the auto industry as much as they were, uh, if at all. I think really they're, they're giving a big smackdown to the traditional industry to show how things should be done. Big congratulations to the entire Tesla team. You guys really pulled it out. Great job um, for everybody here in North America at the Gigafactory in Nevada, uh, the plant over at Fremont, and then everybody that is working very hard at Gigafactory Shanghai. Uh, you guys did it. It's just one quarter. Yeah, obviously, um, we should all be focused on long term, which I think this just solidifies the ability that Tesla has, that all of you working at Tesla have to get it done and get it done well. Um, all of you that are uh, listening to this or watching this, I would encourage you to check out 
the Tesla Daily Podcast, both in all the podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. Rob Maurer puts together an analysis of Tesla's financials that is by far uh, a better quality than any I have listened to or read. So I would definitely encourage you if you guys want to take a closer look at the financial report as well as Rob's specific analysis of that, um, go check out his channel, go listen to his podcast, that's Tesla News Daily, and um, yeah, you won't regret uh, taking a couple minutes to check that out. One of the things that Tesla does in addition to sharing their financial numbers quarterly in the same uh, news release, they usually will give a product update, uh, timelines on things they're working on. Um, one of those is the Tesla semi-truck. Now, Tesla did unveil the semi-truck back in 2017, which if you haven't seen the uh, video of that event, go back and watch it where they unveiled the semi-truck as well as the Roadster. Um but it's been a couple years, and their original plan was that they would release the semi-truck in 2019. So at this point, it's two years delayed uh, or behind schedule. The programs that are still on pace, they said uh, they expect the production of both Model Y in Fremont and Model 3 in Shanghai will continue to ramp gradually through quarter two. That's surprising considering everything going on with the coronavirus. Uh, it's uncertain when Fremont actually will be able to open up again. Shanghai is, I believe, back up and running. Um, they are continuing the progress on the land preparation and uh, building of Gigafactory in Berlin. And their idea here, uh, they say they're still on track to start deliveries in both locations in 2021, but that they are shifting the first Tesla semi deliveries to 2021 as well. Honestly, we haven't heard anything about semi or, or next gen roadster really uh, in a while, but it's not surprising being that the Tesla semi is going to have a battery pack that is significantly larger than any of their other vehicles just because it itself is so big and heavy and they need that in order to have the, the appropriate range. Well, because of all of those battery cells, it doesn't make sense to, when you're battery cell constrained like Tesla is, they don't have enough cells right now to spread across all the vehicles they wanna make. So they're going to take the battery cells and put that towards the vehicles that make the most sense in terms of profitability, as well as achieving their mission, which is accelerating the progress of and transition to sustainable energy and transportation. If they can get two or three Model 3s on the road versus one semi, it makes so much more sense for their vision and their mission to go with the Model 3 and the Model Y, because that is what people talk about uh, they don't need to advertise because owners talk about the cars. Well, every car they sell, that's now uh, essentially their advertisement. So it makes a lot more sense. Is it a little disappointing? Sure, because semi-trucks are the largest vehicles on the road. They are the greatest polluting 
vehicles on the road. So in terms of air quality and certainly if you get into what's better for the environment, you know, is it better to take three gas cars off the road or one semi-truck? Um, I actually don't know without diving into the details there. But um, so it's slightly disappointing. Obviously, I want Tesla to be able to put all of its vehicles and all of its plans for future vehicles on the road and not have any delays. Nobody likes hearing about that. Um, but here we are. And I think if faced with the decision that they had to make, I think it was a good move. It seems like the fight for where Tesla chooses to build their next Gigafactory, uh, really to build the Cybertruck, so it'll be the, the Cybertruck Gigafactory, um, has been heating up. According to Electrek, actually an article they wrote back on the 14th, they said that ever since Elon Musk announced that Tesla was scouting locations in the central U.S. for a new Gigafactory, uh, several states and regions have submitted bids in order to attract Tesla to build there. Um, Elon Musk didn't elaborate on where specifically in the central U.S. Tesla is currently looking, but that he previously mentioned a tri-state area and Texas as possible locations for the second vehicle manufacturing facility in the United States. There have been several reports also that stated that Nashville, Tennessee is in talks with Tesla, uh, but aside from that, Missouri, Colorado, and Arkansas uh, have all put various, uh, added themselves, I guess, to the competition with claims to have reached out to Tesla uh, having preliminary discussions. We are expected at some point, potentially as early as this month in May, for Tesla to announce the location. Um, but a video that got released on YouTube from Kansas, actually, I thought uh, it might be the latest addition to everything. Um, I thought was rather interesting that Kansas decided to throw their hat in the ring, um, or at least it might be the Wichita area that did. Uh, but here's the video that they put out to try to get Tesla's attention and woo them into looking at uh, potential space there. You need a centrally located site, and the greater Wichita region has the best. Everything a Cybertruck Gigafactory needs. 800 acres and access to two Class 1 railroads. 800 acres? That's right, 800 acres. We'll also throw in the number one manufacturing skilled workforce in the nation. Whoa, thanks, Wichita. And that's not all. We have great ice cream, cute dogs, and a passion for space. This guy loves us, and we think you will too. Incentives for Gigafactory included, some assembly required. One thing that I really liked about that is that they were making it in the style of an 80s toy commercial. I think that will appeal to uh, at least Elon Musk a little bit. Um, certainly would get my attention if I was in his position. Um, but here's the thing about Kansas. Um, Kansas did not allow and does not allow Tesla to sell Tesla vehicles there. So if you're a car company, are you going to choose a state that has historically not been the nicest to you? Well, potentially. I think there's two ways you could go with that. One, 
uh, absolutely not. You guys have been horrible to us, so why would we reward you with bringing this uh, increased workforce, uh, you know, the, the, the economic value of building a new factory? Why would we bring that to you? But the other way of looking at it is, hey, Kansas, if you want us to bring this here, well, now you need to let us sell cars directly to uh, people who live in Kansas. And I think there's some leverage there. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what everybody keeps talking about and the expectation of Tesla choosing Texas. Uh, similar things. So there's a lot to go with. I think Texas makes more sense, honestly, just because uh, the weather's nicer. SpaceX already has a presence there. They could easily put solar on the roof and make a rather significant leap forward in factory design just from a sustainability aspect. But who knows? Uh, Elon on Twitter teased Gigafactory Texas, so that probably is weighing on my personal opinion as well, um, slanting it towards Texas being the ultimate result, um, most likely somewhere close to Austin. Uh, at least that's from what I've been hearing. But uh, we will see, and apparently we won't have to wait very much longer. So that is all I have for the news this week and all that I'm sharing for Tesla's news this week. If you guys are interested in more Tesla-specific things, I definitely would recommend the Ride the Lightning podcast with Ryan McCaffrey. He does a really great job covering Tesla, as well as, of course, Rob Maurer and the Tesla News Daily. Each week, I like to be able to answer your EV questions. This week, I decided to mix it up a little bit because I had an experience that I had a question about EVs that I didn't know the answer to. So I went to the source uh, to get an answer of people that would know. So earlier this week, I was driving through a pretty significant rainstorm that we had here in Richmond, Virginia, and I could barely see through the windshield, and it was frustrating because I had to slow way, way down, probably uh, much slower than I needed to, but I just I couldn't see ahead of where I wanted to go. And the thought occurred to me that Tesla's autopilot system is very visually based. Uh, they've got cameras all around the car, and a lot of how Tesla's autopilot interacts with the environment is based on what it is able to see. So the thought popped into my head. I'm going, well, gosh, how, how well does Tesla's autopilot work in a heavy rainstorm if it can't see? And then the other question that, that popped into my head kind of as, as uh, an expansion of that was, how are we going to have robo-taxis, fully autonomous vehicles that can't see where they're going? So uh, I did not ask the second question. Maybe uh, I will ask that of all of you right now. If you have an answer, let me know. Post it in the comments or send me an email. Um, but I did go to a couple Facebook groups where there are Tesla owners and asked them, what does autopilot do? How well does it work in heavy rain? And so I wanted to read a couple of the answers that I got because I felt like it was uh, very valuable to have that firsthand experience. So in the Maryland Tesla Owners Club, which is a Facebook group, Carmen Russo said that if the rain is too heavy, the system will let you know it's worked pretty well uh, 
it has mostly worked pretty well for me. Alec Tokosh, Tokosh? I'm sorry, Alec, I'm butchering that, I'm sure, uh, said that back in 2018, prior to version 9 software update being released, Autopilot worked really well in the rain, likely because it wasn't as good, so reduced knowledge was a benefit. After version 9, it has been worse, and version 10 is okay, but if you can't use Navigate on Autopilot in more than a drizzle, uh, it's due to safety, but it will let you know when you need to take over. Typically, regular Autopilot will work. Steering might just be a little uncomfortable in heavy rain with Autopilot, but it can typically see the lane lines and stay within them better than you can. Just use it with caution. It will get better with time. Um, and then I also asked the Tesla group here, local in the Richmond area, central kind of Virginia. Um, Josh Strickland said, "Better, it works better than most Richmond drivers in the dry. <laughs> Let me stop laughing and repeat that. Tesla's autopilot in heavy rain, Josh says, works better than most Richmond drivers in the dry. If you live here, then you know. Um, he says, I've driven at highway speeds on autopilot during downpours and the car has no issues handling the reduced visibility. Amy said, it works great. Full self-driving doesn't engage in poor weather. Uh, I'm more apt to use it when my visibility is reduced because it's better than I am. I also use full self-driving 95% of the time. Jessica, uh, hi Jess. I know you're one of the few people that are probably watching this, so give me a wave, say hi. Um, it works very well, and snow too. The computer never ceases to amaze me. Um, and Eric, um, which Eric actually works for Tesla, so uh, certainly an opinion that I value very much when answering this question says, uh, it works better than I expect. It uses radar more when the cameras are blocked. It can literally drive better than a human when visibility is reduced to a dangerous level. And that was something that in the moment I had completely forgotten about. I don't know how that escaped my brain that Tesla uses more than just the cameras. They do have the radar there. That's why just in regular situations, it's a it is possible for Tesla's to show you what is in front of the car that is in front of you. So that is something that I don't know why I missed it, but makes perfect sense that yeah, the software, the way it's designed is that if there's reduced visibility on the cameras, it leans more on that radar to get the information it needs about what's going on around the car. So thank you very, very, very much to all of you who answered my question um, and indulged me this week in, in getting a little bit of that information out there. Because I think if somebody who, like myself, is not a Tesla owner but thinking about getting a Tesla, those are the types of questions that we're going to have um, that as a Tesla owner, you guys have that experience where you might not even think about it anymore because it's just that's the car that you have and you're used to it. So thank you very much for all of your input. Thank you all very much this week for watching, listening. Um, I know a two-part uh, podcast is kind of a weird thing to do, and each segment here is about 20 minutes long. So uh, this has run a bit longer than what I traditionally do, but I wanted to do it that way because there was so much to talk about this week that was Tesla-specific. 
but I recognize that I am not a Tesla podcast. That is not what this is supposed to be. Uh, I tend to be somewhat brand agnostic. I love all EVs, and uh, I want every auto manufacturer to have EVs that I can talk about. But there was so much going on that I felt it just made sense to do it this way. Uh, feel free to send me your feedback via email at hello at ev-resource.com. Um, please, I encourage you to always leave a comment on the YouTube channel. And uh, if you want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can find them on the webpage under the podcast section or in any of the major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Actually, Stitcher, I have more people listening and downloading the podcast on Stitcher than any other platform, which I was looking at the analytics. I thought that was interesting. So if you're listening to me on Stitcher, uh, please go ahead and share it with some friends, people that you think will enjoy listening to some uh, different perspective potentially on the latest EV news. Any reviews that you guys can give would be greatly appreciated. And I definitely encourage you to come say hi on social media. A big part of the interaction that I have is on Facebook, but I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. And certainly without that capability this week, uh, I wouldn't have gotten an answer for my question. Um, Thank you very, very much for bearing with me and getting to this point of the podcast. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you for taking the time out. I know your time is valuable and the fact that you chose to spend it with me, uh, I don't take that lightly. It, it's not missed for sure. But uh, until next week, thanks so much and I'll catch you next time.